Hello everybody, welcome back to Best Books Ever. I'm Tyler, as always. And today we're starting a new one. Same series, we're starting book three of Percy Jackson, The Titan's Curse by Rick Riordan, of course. Uh, chapters one through ten. And uh, yeah, this is kind of, I think I mentioned it last time, but this is kind of um, where my memory starts to really nosedive first couple book first book got it on lock you know like i i, I could have probably told you beat for beat what happens in that book um if i were uh challenged <laughs> but um sea of monsters a little less so i forget i did forget about tyson and then i remembered him immediately um but same thing where like i eh, pretty much knew what was happening in that one titan's curse i'm kind of just like i am honestly not sure uh didn't really remember it at all so going into this this time is uh very interesting very fun for me because it's like oh man i don't know what happens and i still really don't know how it ends you know don't really remember but we'll, we'll obviously get to that next week when we get to the end of the book. But there's a lot of really interesting stuff, I think, that happened in this one, too. A lot of, like, introductions to certain characters and also certain ideas um, that I wonder how they'll play on the second half of the book. Or even, you know, the I mean, at this point, second half of the series, um, as, as it stands. I know there's other books. We're not really going to cover those. But um, we'll start at the end, right? They ended up killing the big lion monster thing. I thought that was cool. I mean, one, you know, I feel like Rick Riordan doesn't go very long without having some sort of action set piece. Um, so, I mean, it, it opened up with one, right, with the whole, like, Dr. Thorne stuff. Um, and then the Hunters, we'll get to the Hunters in a second. But we did have a big one to kind of end out this halfway point. Uh, really cool, you know, couldn't hit the outside of them, got to hit the inside. So that's kind of like a classic uh, monster creature type trope where it's like oh you got to kill him from the inside um so that was pretty cool but i think the more like character centric uh impact moment that happened with that was zoe giving percy the pelt the the pelt of the lion monster and that's important because one i mean it showed like to try to reinforce that she has rules, right? She has rules when it comes to, like, how she lives her life, how she interacts, especially in battle. Um, you know, so she couldn't be like, well, he's a boy, he doesn't deserve it. Like, no, like, if you killed the thing, if you bested the enemy in battle, you get the trophy. Like, that's just how it works. I'm not going to go against... <clears throat> I'm not going to go against the rules that we all have set up here as hunters just because it's a boy right so you know i think that's very uh very honorable of her uh but then past that like there was the kind of uh discussion over like well you're the one who kind of took it out so yeah but it was your plan like we wouldn't maybe wouldn't think you know maybe wouldn't have thought of that maybe wouldn't have thought of it in time um you know so i think that was really cool like giving him credit um, and then also, like, you know, Rick made it a point to say that, you know, Zoe slightly smirked or whatever. So that that was kind of what I was hoping for. Like, you know, when I was reading this and the Hunters got introduced, um, 
which we have a little bit more hunter stuff to get into because uh, this part and this book seemingly very hunter focused, very Artemis focused, very much the catalyst to everything. But um, as I was reading, I was like, oh man, the hunters are just so unlikable. Like they, they have a code. You got to respect that. <clears throat> but it's just, it's tough to like them, you know, because we've been on Camp Half-Blood's side this whole series, right? Like we've known them this whole time. Um, you know, we've grown to love people like Percy, Grover, Annabeth, Chiron, all those guys. And so for another group to be like, well, there's actually, Camp Half-Blood isn't the only way that, that Half-Bloods can train and get ready. Like you can also join the Hunters. Um, no boys, obviously, but it's still like, well, hold on now. What do you mean there's another place? Like Camp Half-Blood is legit, you know? So you kind of have that like twinge inside of your chest where it's like, no, <laughs> Camp Half-Blood is the one and only. They're the best. Why would anyone join the Hunters? Um, they have good benefits, though. Immortality. Pretty cool. Uh, no love, though. Unless... I wonder if, like, you know, jumping out of the book for a second, I wonder if, like, with things like that, the Hunters, with it being all females, I wonder if there is, like, uh, romantic feelings and romantic things that happen within or between the members of the hunters if if like that ever gets introduced probably not in these books maybe i mean i wouldn't be wouldn't be mad at it you know it'd be, it'd be the opposite you know it's cool representation and all that but like there's gotta be stories there where it's like oh we're we're maidens for life it's like yeah but that doesn't mean that you don't have like relationships and stuff you know maybe it does i don't know that's just a thought that i had um but yeah so anyway, we're circling back to the moment. So yeah, that that is what I was hoping for, though, with the Hunters, is like, I hope that they soften up towards everyone else, especially, you know, people like Percy, who's the main character. Because um, it's, it's just so sad to see, like, oh, man, I want to like these characters, because they're not bad characters, you know what I mean? They're not, they're not poorly written, you know, they don't seem like terrible people. It's just they're currently written in a way that they don't, like, they are directly butting heads with our main character, our main lovable Percy, you know? Um, so, you know, so that's very tough. But, yeah, and there it's like, oh, you know, maybe maybe at least she does start to respect Percy a little bit. And maybe she realizes that Percy is not this, like, evil monster just because of uh, his his boyness, right? You know, maybe it is like, oh, no, he does actually care. Like, he really cares. Um, you know, so cool stuff there killed the monster too so that's big and connected to that why was the lion monster there because luke and the general are there always scary to see luke anywhere because we know that he's connected with chronos and that whole thing so um not a because the first one the scene happened i was like that's a pretty big coincidence for luke to be there when our quest crew is there as well big coincidence no it's not they they set them up for this to happen this way. You know, Luke, the general, all those guys are, they are kind of like pulling the strings and, uh, you know, setting down all the breadcrumbs so that our, our quest crew happens here, uh, you know, because they want to, uh, they're not a fan of the hunters. They do have some beef with the hunters that we don't quite know the specifics of yet. Specifically, the general seems to have beef with Zoe. Not sure why. Um, 
but more importantly, they want to capture uh, Thalia, it seems, because she is a very powerful half-blood. Um, again, you know, that just goes back to Chiron and other people as well, but they're like warnings towards Percy where it's like, you are a child of the big three. You are inherently more powerful, more important than other half-bloods, um, you know, just because of your parentage. Um, so yeah, that's awful. Um, you know, Luke doing his thing, obviously, beside him, beside the general. Don't know who the general is yet. I'm sure maybe if, you know, you had more knowledge of your just Greek mythology, you probably could have guessed by now, but uh, I'm not really sure it's not Kronos. It seems to be Kronos who's possibly, like, right-hand man. Uh, I mean, his, his general, right? Um, he's powerful, though. That is the other voice that, that Percy was hearing. Um, raising up soldiers, all that stuff, so... Very interested to see that reveal of, like, who he actually is, because even, like, um, again, like, if you, if I knew my Greek mythology more, I probably could have guessed who it was, because they did have a little bit of a description of him, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not sure, I'd be excited for the, the reveal to happen, I'm sure when they actually meet, because they will meet, like, the general and his crew and Percy and the quest crew, you know, I'm sure they will come face to face at some point in the book, I feel like it'd be weird if they didn't. Um, I'm sure he'll, he'll reveal, or someone will just know, they'll be like, oh no, it's, I mean, Zoe and the hunters seem to know who it is, they keep calling him by the general, um, which is a very clever way for, like, Rick Riordan to keep surprises, because they establish very early on that names are powerful, and so you're not really just supposed to say people's names, you know? Um, Percy kind of does it willy-nilly because he's an idiot uh, in many cases, but also he's he's pretty powerful, so he kind of has that little weird clashing happening. But like, you're not just supposed to throw around Kronos. You know what I mean? You're not supposed to say that. Um, you know, so that's a very clever way for Rick to kind of set that up in his books to be like, oh, we don't we don't say their names, you know. Um, so that's cool. Very powerful though. I'm excited to see their kind of their encounter and see what happens. Um, because if he is essentially like the most the most powerful thing they face so far, uh, it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough. You know, we do have two children of the big three here to help. Some very capable hunters. Um, Grover <laughs> is also here. Very helpful though. I will say he he was the one that was kind of confusing everyone else with his flute playing, pan flute type thing. So that was cool. Um, so yeah, very excited to see more of the general. Um, let's get some more stuff down. What else do we got? Um, one moment I did, and this does kind of sort of tie into Zoe. Um, I really liked when Mr. D caught Percy and was like, did you, he was like, did you not think I would, I wouldn't have noticed that you left? <laughs> and I like Percy, like, I mean, yeah, kind of, <laughs> I did say, honestly, I totally thought I would get away with it. Um, but, I, you know, I do like that he caught him. Um, I like the story he told, even if I don't agree with it. You know, he basically, to sum it down, you know, he did tell a story about, um, you know, heroes betraying, right? Heroes making promises, breaking them, being very selfish, all that stuff. Um, while I may empathize with his story... I don't think it's fair to just be like, well, all heroes are the same. 
like you will you'll do something similar at some point Thalia will do something Annabeth like all you guys who think you're heroes think you are the cream of the crop think that you can do no wrong you all are selfish and you will all do very selfish possibly uh you know life-threatening things for your own needs whatever in the future right i don't think it's really fair to just put them all in a pot like that um i mean because percy i don't know i mean they they are kind of building that up though because i will say in like books one and two we didn't really see a whole lot of that you know like percy being selfish and sort of taking everything on like um I mean, if anything, I feel like we've seen the opposite, where even at the end of book one, we saw Percy, he, he very easily could have been like, no, this is my mom, like, the mom, my mom is coming with me, um, or, or not, not with me, you know, maybe he gives it up, and he gives Sally, Annabeth, and Grover the, the, the magic bubbles out of here, and he stays, you know, that, that would have been a pretty selfish thing to do, um, to, to save his mom, and it's like, no, we need you to be saved to help deliver the bolt, to help figure out what's going on with Hades, all that stuff, to, to recover the helm. Like, if Percy stayed with Hades in there, would have gotten trapped by him, maybe like a prisoner of some sort. The helm would have never gotten recovered because Ares would have just kept it, right? Um, lightning bolt, very low possibility that the lightning bolt would have gotten... Uh, well, no, there's a 0% chance because the, whole, the lightning bolt was in Percy's bag, right? Um... So again, that would be a very selfish thing to be like, but, but my mom, <laughs> you know, um, you know, so just like stuff like that, where it's like, I don't really think we've seen evidence of it until this book. And I think Rick knows what he's doing, where there's been two or three different moments where Percy decides to just do something right. Like he, he sh probably should have called out to Thalia, Annabeth, all them guys, and actually tried a little harder to find them before running off, uh, to Dr. Thorne to try to save the siblings, right? Probably should have, right? But he just kind of took it all on his own. Um, you know, same thing with Capture the Flag, right? Where it's like, I am the hero. I am going to save everyone. I'm going to take the flag. When in actuality, Thalia is, or maybe even is, in, like, is at the same level or even, like, better than him, more powerful than him, more, you know, ha you know has more experience than him, possibly. And she, you know, quite possibly did not need his help in the slightest with that but he decided i'm going to be the hero you know so i think they did introduce it you know at least a couple of different moments where mr d is not a hundred percent incorrect um i just don't like the um all-encompassing assumption of it where it's like oh well, all heroes do it like you are going to betray people you're going to um you know throw throw caution to the wind for your own heroism right um i also don't think that's fair he's like he's like 14 <laughs> you know like i just I, I don't know i just don't think it's fair um but then we do get some stuff there with with zoe we're gonna connect it back there with um seemingly zoe it seems was betrayed by someone i had when when i was reading this again i have read this before always want to try to make that clear um no spoilers obviously never never give spoilers beyond the point in which we have read currently um 
And plus, I don't even remember, you know. But when I was reading this, I was thinking, I was uh, predicting. I mean, one, we are going to hear the story. Like, Zoe is going to say something. I feel like that little moment with her at the end is her starting to soften up towards Percy. And I think there's going to be another moment where uh, Zoe does tell Percy, like, you want to know why? This is why. This is, like, beyond the whole hunter, maiden, oath, and whatever, this is why I don't trust uh, men, like, mortal men or whatever, right? Um, Whether it's in a fit of anger, frustration, or whether it is just like, okay, I'll tell you, you know, sort of thing. Um, My guess would be that she did fall in love at some point, maybe even when she was already a hunter, you know, something like that, right? And the dude betrayed her in, 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 you know, in some way, Um, because she seems to be like way more, like way more disciplined in that area than the others are. Could just be because she's been there longer, could possibly because she is sort of the number two to Artemis, so maybe she feels like she has to uphold it a little more. Um, but, you know, I I feel like it's a, it's, it's a similar story to that because Mr. D does kind of say, just ask Zoe, Zoe Nightshade. And he's like, and Percy's like, what do you mean? And he's like, doesn't matter. You know, so I feel like we are going to learn that and there is something there. But, um, you know, so again, I, I do like this moment. Um, I don't completely agree with it, but I do think it is tying very nicely to some very possible foreshadowing that's already happened um, to what happened later, because we do know, I, I, I didn't write down the ding-dang uh, prophecy this time, but uh, it's not good. Seemingly, you know, I think what they sort of surmised is that two people are going to die, right? One and a half. One is sort of like, they say, oh, one will be lost in the land with no rain or something. So they're assuming that's die. Doesn't say death. You know, there's lots of ways to um, interpret these prophecies, but not a good sign. The other one is death. It's like death at a, at a parent's hand. Um, what I think is important there is it says a parent's hand not their parents' hands. So it's not necessarily like, for example, it doesn't necessarily mean that Percy will be killed by Poseidon or Thalia will be killed by Zeus. You know, like Percy could be killed by Zeus because that's what Zeus is a parent. He's not Percy's parent, but he's a parent. So I feel like that's something to keep in mind as well. Um, maybe I'm just trying to like twist the words too much. Maybe it, it is directly Percy who dies their parent. I don't know, but that's just something that I, I want to throw out there. Um, so yeah, bad stuff. Um, uh, and then just, I guess real quick, we'll cover this. Uh, speaking of the Oracle, uh, the Oracle did give the prophecy outside of the attic. Chiron is spooked because the, the Oracle has never left the big house. I think he even says specifically the attic. She's never even left the attic, ever. So the fact that she did, this to me, um, you know, I know obviously it is sort of a follow-up to the scene with Percy, where Percy goes up there trying to get a prophecy, and clearly that's not how it works. Clearly you can't just, anyone can't just go up there and be like, 
I have a question. You know, you, you can't do it. It, it doesn't have to be uh, specific people, specific moments, specific, uh, I don't know, like circumstances, I suppose. Um, but I like when things like this happen because obviously this is the story we're reading, right? These are the characters, the, the, these are the events that are surrounding everyone. And this is why the story is about this. Um, but it is interesting when it's like, this has never happened before. So clearly we're in the middle of some very, very, very bad things. Um, you know, this harkens back to, uh, you know, I think Poseidon in book one possibly was like, ah, uh, you know, Kronos stirs every thousand years or whatever. But, you know, for him to escape Tartarus is, is, is unheard of. And then Percy's like, yeah, but that's his plan. And then Poseidon just kind of has like this dark look, you know, and so, you know, there's more and more evidence of like, no, 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 this is different. Stuff is going to happen. Life changing, world breaking things are going to happen. And, you know, sometimes there's just little tiny pieces of evidence like this, where it's like Oracle's never left anywhere. You know, she's never left this attic and now she does. And there's a prophecy. Come on come on, you know what I mean, like, we, we have to heed the signs, <laughs> you know, heed these warnings, um, what else do we have, uh, a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff, um, I guess mostly just smaller stuff, I've kind of covered up big, uh, big chunks, but, uh, this is pretty big though. We have uh what happened to Annabeth, right? This is one thing I don't love about this book, and it's not like me um critiquing the quality of the book, it's just like personal, you know, certain characters I like, certain characters I don't like, whatever. Um not a not a big fan of Annabeth kind of being sidelined in this book. Big Annabeth fan. Um, like her character, I like her dynamic with Percy, as well as other other people. Um so she's kinda of sidelined, I'm like, ah, oh, this kinda of sucks. But um, I understand the need for it, uh, but they do have, you know, where is she, right? She, she was basically bait for Artemis, right? Uh, she got taken, uh, which I wonder if that was like the plan, you know, cause clearly, I mean, if it wasn't, this was a happy accident for Luke, um, and everyone, right? General, Kronos, whatever. Um, but they basically use Annabeth as bait, holding up something we're not sure holding up like a, a dark magic ceiling or whatever um going to crush her artemis they 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 they, they took artemis and they're like oh just, you're just gonna leave this this girl here in never-ending torture right here are you, are you gonna artemis of course couldn't do that so artemis is now holding up the ceiling annabeth is near death <laughs> um tricked artemis right couldn't resist helping a fellow maiden um very clever though very clever um i don't know why they needed artemis so bad they seem to be really on artemis again i think um there is some grudge between i think the general and the hunters possibly artemis specifically maybe zoe specifically or maybe just hunters in general i'm not not sure yet um but there's some grudge there um and i also suppose that uh, you know, Artemis is, you know, they keep talking about how Artemis was the, kind of the most outspoken when it comes to making a move, when it comes to this whole, like, Chrono stuff, you know, um, so them trapping her here, 
keeping her here for the winter solstice, which is when they have their big meeting. Um, that will help delay the gods' plans for another year because they won't make a decision until the next winter solstice when everyone is there. So, um, very clever. Very clever. Um, and then one other thing with the whole Annabeth situation, um, Luke, I, I don't remember, and again, reiterate this, read this, read the whole series, well, up until book five, because that's when the series originally ended, and then Rick made a sixth book, and I think he just dropped a seventh book or something, I'm just like, why are you making books, books that are sequels so, so much later, <laughs> like, 15 years later, you're making a sequel, it's crazy, um, but anyway, uh, what was I saying? Yes. So, even though all that is true, I don't remember. Are uh, you know? I think a big question is: Are they going to redeem Luke's character? Because I think it's possible. Um, a lot of work has to be done to do it, but I do think it's possible. I think it's possible to redeem his character because, you know, I think at the end of the day. Um, he does have resentment towards the gods. But I don't think that's that's strange. Like, I feel like a lot of, possibly even the majority of half-bloods have resentment towards the gods. Because it's like, kind of brought them into this life. They didn't ask for it. Um, also because of it, at least one of their parents. Um, you know, worst case scenario, you know, you have a scenario... That was a lot of them, right? Where it's like one of their parents is a god, so they never get to talk to him, ever. So you know, you know, you don't really feel love on that side. And then your other parent, um, maybe resents you for the situation, maybe dies because of you being a half blood and they're being dangerous and everything. So it's like there's, you know. So I don't think resentment is like a strange thing, or at the very least, just like, um, I don't know, negative feelings every now and again at least um i think the big thing they have to get over is like him possibly trying to kill percy and 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 others you know thalia all that stuff like like i said it is a uphill battle but i do think it's possible to redeem his character because when the whole annabeth thing happens you know he he does try to save her right like he does have some guilt it seems for tricking her into taking the weight of whatever they're holding up and then also when i think the general's like all right we don't need this aunt this this athena daughter anymore you can kill her and luca's like whoa, whoa, whoa no hold on hold on hold on we can still use her she can still be you know um clearly he's doing that of like wait no no don't don't i, I don't want to say anything about that um again though is that the road to redemption for his character or is that just he has a soft spot for Annabeth because when I was reading this I was thinking that too where I'm like they have soft spots for each other you know like more on Annabeth's side because you know we've we've seen more of Annabeth you can look at through her lens where it's like I don't think she she likes likes him anymore like she did in book one um but you know I think those feelings have kind of passed but I do think they've been through too much together for her to just completely toss any sort of, you know, at least like friendship feelings towards him, right? Because it's like they went through so much before they got to Camp Half-Blood, right? And then, 
they both are two of the uh, longest staying members at Camp Half-Blood, right? Um, so just, you know, it's been through too much together, you know, plus we saw her little, like, daydream thing when, uh, you know, the, like, mermaid things, whatever was there, you know, and she got kind of lured in by them. Luke was in there, you know, and it wasn't necessarily like, oh, I want to marry Luke. It was more so just like, I want Luke to be good and like get over this whole thing, like be friends again, you know. Um, and then you jump back to this where we see Luke's perspective, finally a moment where we see Luke possibly reciprocate those feelings where it's like, if he was truly cold hearted evil, he would have been like, yeah, killer, <laughs> you know. But he didn't. He was like, oh, no, wait, no, we can still, you know, still use her. She can still be bait, blah, blah, blah. You know, so I think there are feelings there of like, oh, we've been through too much together. You know, I don't think he has that attitude towards Percy because they don't really know each other all that well, you know. But with Annabeth, it's like we were we were like on the run together for a long time. And I think Thalia's in there as well. Um, you know, it'd be interesting to see because I don't think Thalia and Luke have confronted each other yet you know so be interested to see how he acts how, how they act towards each other you know um very interesting stuff i think um other than that just it was kind of a few quick things to note um percy and thalia did start a fight after the capture the flag thing again i think even though percy's the main character i do think he was in the wrong here i think he should have stayed um because think we have two children of the big three you know like they're you're powerful you're you are skilled you have talent you know um have one run the offense run one run the defense you know like that makes sense for you to run in and also think that Dahlia couldn't handle it and like I don't know again I I think that he's used to it because he is you know whether he wants to be this or not he is propped up as like the guy a lot of the times um, you know, especially with his victories in the past couple books. So it's not a hundred percent his fault, but I, I, it is mostly his fault. And I, I do think he should have just stayed and trusted Thalia. I've, that's a big thing. He, he, he hasn't, he didn't put his trust that Thalia had a good offensive attack, right? Strategy, all that stuff. Um, and so they fought a little bit they threw some lightning and, and water at each other um i do think you know i don't think they hate each other i don't think they resent each other in any sense um you know you know i think they actually do like each other a lot more than they even realize um, especially because they are very very similar like when you watch them they are two peas in a pod um for for various reasons you know but i think in that moment everything kind of boiled over you know, because they just lost, you know, against the Hunters, that sucks, you know, but then also the whole Annabeth situation, like, they both care deeply for Annabeth, um, the whole, like, Luke and Chrono stuff, like, that stuff, they they both feel like they have to put on their shoulders as well, um, I don't know if Thalia knows the prophecy about the whole 16 thing, but, like, Percy does, so I know that's on his mind, um, it's tough. Like there's a lot of, you know, I think at that moment, everything kind of came to a head and they were like, each of them separate from each other was like, this is it. That, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. I, I had to just let something out, you know? Um, 
I do hope that we see more and more of them mending their relationship, and I would like to see them talk more. We haven't really seen that too much, and I feel like even at the very, very, very beginning of the book, they were, like, sort of, like, nipping at each other, you know, and, like, Annabeth had to be like, all right, guys, stop, <laughs> chill out, you know, um, you know, so, I, you know, I would like them to kind of talk to each other and have, like, you know, and I, I think there's opportunity for them to do so, um, I would like them to kind of come together and be like, hey, like, I'm Poseidon's kid, you're just kid, you know, I know that we don't really get along or whatever, and our dads don't get along, but, like, you know, we're here, we're apparently pretty important to this whole war that's happening, um, you know, you know, we both care, we both share same friends, and Annabeth, and that, and, uh, Grover, and stuff like that, like, it would be better for not only us, for but for everyone, if we just kind of work together, and we, you know, we kind of push any sort of stuff aside, and so, again, it's tough, because, again, these are children, <laughs> you know, you kind of forget that these, that, you know, I think, I think Percy's, like, 14, and Thalia's, like, 16 or something, you know, so they are, they are children, right, uh, you know, but, there are so many moments in books, not, not only this series, but like other books I read where I, j I just wish two people would like sit down and talk and just be like, hey, you know, this is what's going on, you know. Um, but yeah, I do like both Percy and Thalia. So, you know, I hope they they kind of break everything down. A um, couple more things. One of those is something I don't think we should let slip away from us because I do think this is what Annabeth was referencing at the very beginning of the book. Um, she was having a conversation with Percy, a very nice moment where they were kind of dancing and they were, you know, kind of just talking to each other, uh, which again, I, I love those moments. Again, I love the action set pieces, but I also do love when two or more characters can kind of just have a moment together and just kind of let everything breathe. And I don't know, it's, it's nice. But the important thing there was uh, you know, Annabeth talking about the troubles at home and all that, and then it ended with her about to say something, about to tell Percy something, hey, there's, hey, there's something actually, you know, actually goes deeper than that, it's actually more important than that, um, dot, 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 you know, and we never knew what, what that was going to be, um, there was the slight fake out of her saying that her dad and family was moving to San Francisco, and, even as she was talking, like, she gave the energy of, like, I'm not moving to San Francisco. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not doing that. There's also something over in San Francisco. I'm not sure what it is. I'm, I'll, you know, as I was reading, I was even trying to, like, rack my, like, future knowledge brain to be like, what is, what, what's over there in San Francisco? What, what, I, I don't know. The only thing I could think of is that, I mean, you know, because she was like, you know, because, because that's where that is. And it's just like, what? <laughs> I'm assuming it's something evil where it's like, oh, New York is good. Like this, like the East Coast is good because we got all, we got like, like Olympus is over here, Apple's over here, but the West is like far enough from Mount Olympus and all that where like, like evil creatures and monsters can sort of congregate. That's the only thing I can think of. Um, you know, so like being on the West Coast is more dangerous than being on the East Coast because it's where Mount Olympus is, you know, and, and Camp Half-Blood. Um, but we have this thing that Grover sort of finds where it's like, oh, I bet you, and that not all clicks, where it's like, oh, I bet you that's what Annabeth was going to talk about. Where it's like, oh, Annabeth was considering joining the Hunters, which makes a lot of sense, you know, you know, because they talk and they're like, 
that would make sense as to why the hunters got there so quick because the hunters were already on their way to talk to Annabeth. You know, Annabeth maybe contacted them or something in the past. Um, so, so, you know, so that would kind of connect those dots. But then also it would make sense um, for like how, um, how reluctant she was to discuss it because we know now what joining the hunters means. And I think the biggest thing is Annabeth wouldn't really see anyone ever again. Um, it's possible that she would still see them from time to time, but Annabeth would be away on the whole hunter thing. And also on a more personal level, which I think they have been kind of slowly building this up. Um, yeah, I think they have been slowly building up the whole Percy and Annabeth relationship. And so, uh, obviously her being a hunter kind of nips that right in the, you know, right in the bud. Um, so that'd be tough. It'd be interesting though. Um, I don't know why though. You know, I think that's kind of the, the question that's hanging in the air where it's like, why would she join the hunters? Aside from, you know, we get to be immortal and all that stuff. But like, why Annabeth, why does Annabeth specifically want to do that? Um, like, is there something that sort of, you know, cause again, like, is she okay with leaving kind of leaving her friends behind, you know, her family behind. Um, I don't know. I'm sure we'll have a discussion about it because the hunters are obviously still here and they're a big part part of the book. Um, same as Annabeth. So, you know, I'm sure at the end, it'll kind of all come together and be like, yeah, <laughs> it is happening. If I were to guess, I would say she doesn't join the hunters. Um, and it's not really like a future spoilers type thing um because yeah, I, I don't even remember <laughs> i could say this and it could be completely wrong um but in my mind i'm just like wouldn't that mean that basically the next two books don't have annabeth in it you know because like she moved with the hunters and i i don't know if they'd really want to break it up because like even after book one where i was like all right grover gonna go see you know have fun looking for pan book two was immediately go over contacting person and be like, I need you to come save me. You know what I mean? So even that, like, I don't really think they want to break up this friend group. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I just don't, I, I just don't see it happening. Um, and I suppose the last thing, something that happens right in the beginning of the book, actually, is um, Thalia manipulating the mists and Percy being like what the heck was that and Dally being like oh what it just I was just you know, I was just controlling the mist I was just you know kind of influencing what they saw and what they believe in everything you know what did you know did Chiron not not show you that and Percy's Percy's like thinking that he's like he, he most certainly did not <laughs> you know but it was something that they mentioned I think again in book one Chiron sort of mentioned it uh, you know because Percy was going on his first quest and Percy was thinking, like, how, you know, what is, you know, what are people going to see if I pull out a sword, you know, or, you know, Riptide, and, you know, Cameron does sort of say, and he, did, and, and, and he does mention that, like, you know, maybe in the future with more training, you know, I'll, I show you how you can even sort of, like, manipulate them as you kind of control them and kind of bend them a little bit, um, but again, you know, that right there is interesting, because one, they're not letting go of the idea, you know, I like that, it, it wasn't just a throwaway comment, like, they're like, no, this, this is something that characters can do, um, you know, but then also it does show a little bit of a, 
uh, you know, a little bit of disparity between the Thali and the Percy character just kind of remind you that, hey, oh, yeah, yeah, remember, Percy's our main character, but Thalia was here first, and Thalia was training and all that long before. Um, well, I mean, she, she wasn't really at Camp Half-Blood, <laughs> but she was fighting monsters and, and all that uh, a lot, you know, before. Um, and it also, again, just kind of reminds you of things that Percy does not know. You know, Percy, again, is our main character, but there are a lot of things he doesn't know how to do, a lot of the skills he does not have. Um, so, yeah, I, I just thought that was something neat to kind of throw in there and be like, hey, don't don't forget this, because I feel like possibly it'll come into play later in the book, or maybe it won't. Maybe it was just a cool thing happens in this book, maybe future books. Uh, but, again, you know, again, I, 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 I do just really like when characters say things, and it's not just throwaway comments. It's not just like, oh, yeah, and, you know, and, and we never see it again. It's like, no, this this is something. Um, so that's cool. And, uh, yeah, that is pretty much it. Enjoyed the first half very much. Obviously, next week we'll cover the second half, chapters 11 through 20. Finish up the Titan's Curse. Um... This is good, man. You know, I don't, in terms of predictions, I'm not really sure. Um, I imagine, because like every book has kind of had this big climax, right? Like the first one was them arriving at Hades and then also sort of fighting Ares. That's kind of like the one-two punch. Um, sea of Monsters was them fighting uh, Polyphemus, the Cyclops. So this one, I'm not really sure. I imagine it would be them facing off against Luke and the general. I believe that would sort of make sense. Sort of what they're building up to. Um, I mean, as we leave off, we're still like in it. You know, like they, they beat the lion thing, but they still have like the other dudes, the other like zombie dudes that, that the general uh, rose from blood and teeth or whatever. So something there too like we're, we're we're not out of it you know this is not a time to take a breath this is a time to be like we need to run <laughs> um but yeah yeah because i would say that's like the big thing that's happening now because even like what is their quest even oh yeah that to save <laughs> completely forgot about the whole artemis and annabeth thing yeah yeah i guess they would have to you know we'll probably see them escape the situation and then somehow get to where, cause like they don't even know really where to go. Like they have, they have like some ideas and they have Grover sort of sniffing them out. But, um, yeah, so I guess that's the other thing, right? Saving Artemis and Annabeth. Um, also the Titan's curse. We don't know what that is. <laughs> uh, you know, apparently Chiron has, a, has a pretty good idea of what it is, but we don't, we don't know what the Titan's curse is. So, oh, and one other thing, one last thing that I didn't write down that I guess I should have, um, that I think is interesting. It really has nothing, like almost no impact on like the story and the plot itself. But, um, you know, just like a normal person thing that I think was fun was uh, when Percy was calling his mom, uh, his mom was with someone. I think like Paul or something was his name. I thought that was cool because, you know, that was a very real moment of like, oh yeah, Sally is like a real character in this story and she's not just the mom of the main character. Like she does have her own life. And so for it to be like, oh, it seems like Sally is having someone over, you know, which I think is nice. You know, we have the classic uh, reaction from the son. It's like, what is, what is happening? You know, uh, which he's, he's going to have that reaction because he's the son. Like that's, that's, that's what he does. Um, 
but I do like the subtle character arc of Sally. Where it's like, oh, she was strong enough to get rid of Gabe and find someone else, like a normal person that can hopefully have a normal, healthy relationship. Um, very cool. Very cool. Um, yeah. So yeah, that, that was kind of the last thing. But uh, that is that. Titan's Curse, Rick Riordan. Next week, like I said, chapters 11 through 20, we're going to finish up the book. Getting closer and closer to the end of the series, which is always exciting. We're now officially entering the second half of the series. Um, aside from the new books that are coming out, which we're not going to cover. Maybe maybe in the in the, in the the future, you know, after, after some time. But, um, yeah, I guess that's it. Uh, that's it for this week. Uh, good stuff. Uh, until next time, I guess I read those chapters, and uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens with. We're gonna see how the general is. Hopefully, we'll see what happens with Artemis and Annabeth. Um, like I said, hopefully Percy and Thalia are able to kind of really work as a team. You know, I really like to see that. And uh, yeah, still waiting. Still cross my fingers for 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 Mister D to turn out like Snape, and be low key caring about all the campers and Percy and the whole time. I'm re- I really want a Snape situation. Because I really want to like Mr. D, but might just be wishful thinking. So, 